I'm Joe Collins, and this is Dear DM, a Dungeons & Dragons advice podcast where each episode, I sit down with your favorite Dungeon Masters in order to discuss, debate, and hopefully answer your D&D-related questions. Thank you so much for joining me. Uh, before we begin, I have some quick news, and that is, uh, for those of you who might be attending WonderCon this year, um, we will be having an official Nerdsmith meetup. Uh, you can come say hi to me or any of the other lovely hosts and nerds uh, in the network. Um, we're going to be hosting it at the Anaheim Convention Center. Uh, we're planning on 8 p.m. on Saturday, March 30th. So please uh, keep an eye out as we get more info, because I'd love to see you there and nerd out about D&D and all other things nerdy. Um, so, um, also, as always, I want to remind everyone that if you want to have your question answered on the air by some of your favorite DMs, please send those questions to us either on Twitter, at DearDMPodcast, or to our email, DearDM.Submit at gmail.com, or to our space in the Nerdsmith Discord channel. Um, the more questions we get, the more content we can create for you lovely people, and the happier I'll be. Um, without further ado, uh, today's guest is the Game Master for Total Party Chill, a tabletop live stream network streaming games of D&D, Monster of the Week, and more. Um, I'm so happy to be joined by none other than Devin Cholik. Thank you so much for joining me, Devin. Oh, I'm so stoked to be here right now. I'm so stoked to have you. Thank you for coming on. Of course. Absolutely. Um, so... I always start off with the same question, as I'm sure you're aware. How did you get into this? How did you start as a DM and start playing tabletop in general? Um, you know, it, it's kind of that classic story that uh, your friends, they were, um, you know, they have, they didn't want to DM. And no, you couldn't find anyone else that could. And so I ended up being the, you know, the dungeon master because of that. Um, I was maybe 12 and I, we are the comic store and we'd go every week and, you know, just pick up comics. And I saw some people playing with all these like little miniature figures. And I was like, what is this? And uh, this guy with, you know, a uh, long ponytail, um, <laughs> uh, Cheeto dust on his shirt, like the, your kind of classic, what you would think. Um, he was like, it's D&D kid. And I was like, oh, this looks cool. He's like, yeah, you want to you play? And I was like, okay. And he was just like all about letting me and my friends play. And, and we did. And uh, ever since then, like... Um, you know, since no one else was willing to be a DM, I was more than happy to do it. I was like, oh, I get to come up with the adventures and be all the bad guy. <laughs> and that, you know, I, I, yeah, I, I definitely came to it very easily. That's awesome. Yeah. It's, it's funny how common it is that people are like, all right, I guess I'll DM cause no one else wants to. And then immediately realize, oh, this is, this is good. I enjoy this part of it as well. Right. Someone else is like, oh, you know, I could DM. Like, no, no, it's fine. I can do it. <laughs> No need. <laughs> you can handle the next campaign. This one's mine. <laughs> right. <laughs> awesome. Um, so how did you go from, you know, DMing, running games, everything like that, into starting uh, Total Party Chill, to getting into running those games and uh, streaming and uh, and all that shenanigans? Yeah. Um, it was, so I've been playing with uh, the same group of friends for about two years. Uh, and uh, it's just impressive alone that we could meet every week <laughs> to play D&D. You know, and I invited a friend who works at Twitch and I just hadn't seen him in a while. I'm like, hey, do you want to come play in D&D with us? And he's like, oh, yeah, that sounds like a blast. And afterwards, he's like, have you ever thought about streaming this? And I was like, no, no. He's like, I mean, you guys are really funny. I mean, I think this would be great content. And so 
we all kind of talked about and we were all really into the idea. And so I just did a little bit of research and, and kind of figured out what it would needed to get started. And then I got really excited about the idea of, you know, telling the story with, you know, more people. And, um, you know, we're one of the, um, the most uh, collaborative D&D streams because our audience and our viewership and our community, they help actually write the campaign as far as like fleshing out the world building. So uh, it's been a whole new kind of DMing style where uh, I get a lot of like submissions for ideas that then I could use and then I could spin off of that. So it's no longer just like me thinking about my own ideas or like looking online and getting inspired from a thread I read. Um, there's a whole group of people that are like, spitballing ideas that i'm collaborating with and it makes for it makes for a really fun world building yeah that's awesome it's something that's i i think as far as i know it's something that's been relatively recent but there's been this really big surgence of more collaborative world building in D D, which has been fantastic um, yeah i definitely think uh i definitely think one of the things about it is um it's really hard to build a world by yourself and not feel overwhelmed at some point and mm. it feels really good when you hear like someone else like, oh, how about this? And you're like, oh, that's perfect. I could just easily <laughs> put that here and that, you know. And, um, you know, I mean, for a collaborative storytelling game, it makes sense to have a collaborative world building, uh, you know, environment. Absolutely. It works out well. Um, so, yeah. Do you want to go ahead and jump into the uh, meat and potatoes and answer some questions that some lovely folks at home sent in? Give me those potatoes. All righty, let's dig in. Um, so, our first question is, um, I like writing my own homebrew campaigns, but I always struggle with getting the PCs together for the first session. What are some of your favorite ways to get a group of random characters to come together into an adventuring party? And I was asked by Will. Um, well, you know, I mean, I, 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 it's really funny. I see this question asked all the time on like mm -hmm. all these kind of blogs I follow or like, you know, Facebook groups. Um, and what I, what I would usually do is I put them all as part of a mercenary group. They've all joined the mercenary group for some reason. It's kind of like, um, was it what, what you used to call it? Adventure Co. And the mm -hmm. idea is like, all right, you joined it all for a reason. Adventure Co. can offer you fame, fortune, uh, you know, a chance to get out of your hovel of a town. But why did you do it? Why did you join Adventure Co.? And they all come up with their own reason about like, well, I joined because I want to, you know, make enough so I can buy this boat because I'm I sailor at heart or all this. Um, and that was like my standard. If you're a new player and I'm introducing you to the game, that's kind of how I do it. So they feel like there's a little bit more structure in the beginning to like get them moving forward. Mm. Um, other ideas I had is um, you're all traveling together to a place. Um, I actually remember hearing uh, board with life did something like that where they're all traveling to a food festival. And I thought that was a really fun idea. Mm. <laughs> um, and then the school, uh, I think that the, uh, there was a, uh, there's this thing called XP Academy. It's a really great uh, podcast I listened to and, they were all going to school to learn how to become adventurers. <laughs> so that was just a, such a funny idea. Um, yeah. But, you know, I also felt like, you know, so I, I ran an adventure where, you know, they all were uh, in kind of some kind of school, but it you know, ended up turning out to be kind of a death cult and they were actually being trained to be killers. <laughs> they just didn't know it. Um, so I think, uh, I think it depends on what your story is, is about. You know, I think it, if you are all, um, if you want to have it be about, you know, like killing an ancient demon, I think it'd be cool if everyone worked started in the church and they were all part of an order um, and everyone had some kind of tie to that. But uh, I think it I think it is important and easier if everyone can start together in some fashion rather than stitch them in from different places. Um, 
but I think, uh, you know, it's really, really whatever works for your game. Uh, but I, I, those are some of the fun ways I've liked to like, you know, start an adventure. Um, I also, uh, starting as they're already a group of adventurers too. Mm-hmm. Um, I asking them at session zero, like, how do you guys know each other? Like, how long have you known, you know, if you're first level, like, you know, they know very little much about each other, but I sometimes like the idea of like starting them. They already have a little bit of history that you can like then expose later in the game. Oh yeah. It's, it's really nice to form that at session one, even if it's just like, even if they don't necessarily all know each other, even if it's just like in pairs or uh, triplets, like groups of players knowing each other's characters that can make it a lot easier. Dude. Yeah. Um, session, session zero is so important for stuff like that. Mm hmm. Oh yeah. And well, another thing is that like, because a, a large part, I mean, there's the classic, I mean, the the stereotypical way of an adventure begins is you all find yourself in a tavern, something happens, you all have to get together. Yeah. Um, but that always relies on a sense of, which isn't necessarily the worst thing, but it relies on like a, a, a suspension of disbelief. It yeah. relies on everyone realizing, okay, this is part of the game, this is how we get started, and then we can start, you know, getting yeah. with it. But those organ, but those organizations you mentioned, like a caravan or a school or anything like that, is a really good way to get them congealed into a party from the get go. Ooh, group sacrifice! They're all being taken to be sacrificed. Something mm-hmm. saves them, and then boom, they're there. That's kind of fun. Yep, one of my favorites I've done has been. Um, it was kind of I stole most of the idea from uh, a campaign that Matt Colville had talked about. Um, when he when he was talking about his um, uh, something the the world below uh, campaign, oh, where yeah. essentially they're all brought together to this underground like under dark uh, camp or, or or mine or whatever, and I had it that for some reason these how many these four adventurers or these four people were set aside as special, and it's up to them to figure out why they were set aside or something like that. Ooh, um, I like that. Yeah, or or even something as simple as you all know this one eccentric NPC. You all have this one friend who regards you highly. How do you know him? And then he brings you together for a job. Those yeah. kind of things can be like simple, easy ways to get them in. And you can add on as much flavor to that as you want. I, I also think it it's a, it's an okay too. On session zero, you just say like, how do you guys want to meet? Like, where mm-hmm. would you want, where do you want this to start? And just like ask them and maybe just flesh out a story from there. Absolutely. And yeah, it's it's one of those another thing where collaboration is becoming more and more important and useful because there's always that tradition of the DM sits the world, you just everyone else just plays in it. Um but giving the agency to the players to kind of set the world as they're starting in it can really lend that feeling of satisfaction when the part that they came up with comes in to the uh, play in the campaign. Yeah, give give them some skin for the game, right? <laughs> Absolutely. Um, but yeah, I think that's uh, pretty some pretty satisfying ways to get the group together. Um, so let's go ahead and jump into our second question, which is: um, I've been running a homebrew game for a while now, and my players and I are having a blast. We think it would be fun to make it into a podcast or a stream, even if it doesn't get big or famous or anything, just to share it. Um, do you have any advice on how to get started with that? And that was asked by Perspective Producer. Ooh. Um, well, big fan of alliteration, so let's start mm-hmm. there. <laughs> um, <laughs> I always say, uh, you know, anything I, I've done, you know, as as far as executing things like this, 
I look at what I'm able to do. So I, I you know, first realize like, what am I able to purchase? What am, what, you know, as far as equipment, uh, and what are, is my group able to commit to? Um, after outlining that, then I kind of just like talked to them like, Hey, this is the goal. We're going to become super famous and awesome. And are you into that? And they're like, yeah, okay. <laughs> but, um, but no, the, you know, we, we set out goals and we set out like expectations and everyone, um, in my group helps in some way. Um, rather like they, they run our, our social channels or they, um, you know, uh, I like, I, I do all of our, uh, um, kind of marketing side of things and I reach out and I work with our sponsors and then we have, you know, uh, a handful of, you know, everyone in our party helps in some way and helps actually build it up and it makes it a lot easier. So you have to divide up the, um, responsibilities. Uh, if I just did all of it myself, I, I would have burnt out. Mm. So I'd oh, yeah. say that's the biggest thing is like, make sure everyone has like some aspect that they're in charge of that is like their responsibility. So there's that sense of ownership that really empowers the group to make something awesome and to be able to share that. Oh yeah. And it's, it's similar to the old idea of, okay, you're the scribe for this game. You're the ones who's taking like official notes and like kicking, kicking over. And you're like, you're holding, handling the bag of handlings. You're doing inventory and like you're bringing snacks. Like it's, it's that communal like effort that everyone has their own thing they're bringing to it. And with a stream or a podcast that can be, huge to just making sure everyone's invested in it still exactly and, and also research is your friend um <laughs> like i mean uh, uh like if you're um if you're starting this out research as much as possible there's a bunch of great uh, uh blogs out there about like what equipment people use we have one on our uh, website as well um but i would say research as much as possible and uh always do a dry run um, and just mm. see what it's like, you know, it's, it's crazy what you learn after you like record and then like listen to yourself and like, Oh, okay. Like this is actually really funny. It was like, Oh, also like this infighting, like is not interesting or like, uh, we need to remember that this cat is really loud and it constantly knocks over a microphone. <laughs> like there's, you know, um, but there's just things you won't know until you do it. And I'd say, um, if you're 70% there, go, uh, I wouldn't, I wouldn't, um, I'd say anything uh, more than 70% is over, over planning. And mm -hmm. <clears throat> there's this idea of perfection that you're always going to try to achieve to, and you won't be able to get it. Um, you'll never be perfect. You'll never have a hundred percent of everything you need. So the faster you produce something and then you actually get it out, the better you're going to feel about it because you actually did it. Oh yeah. And I, I think that the key to being, I mean, it's one thing to like, just make the stream, put it out there and like, you know, maybe get a couple people watching, listening and just doing it for fun, which is fantastic. It's a great way to like have that creative outlet and have some people share in your campaign. Um, but if you want it to be like, not necessarily successful in word, but like reach a larger audience and like be really entertaining for a lot of people. Um, I think a lot of people, uh, just kind of forget that. The reason why shows like uh, The Adventure Zone or Critical Role or, uh, you know, all these massive successful ones are is not because necessarily of the game itself. The games can be amazing, but people really watch them to watch the people. They they like the personalities and the jokes and the friends playing together. Um, so I would make sure that you when you're setting forth to like do a stream, any kind of honestly, any kind of creative project with other people, make sure it's the kind of people you would be okay taking a very long road trip with. Um it God, makes that's such a great analogy. That's yeah. really good. It's gotta be people you're gonna be okay just being around and working with week after week and people you trust, and people that make you laugh and that you can make each other laugh. That's really what's going to make it successful 
and fun for you so that you're not getting burnt out when you're doing it week after week. I do, I could agree more. That's that's probably the most important pat, uh, part of that is is the people you're with. Oh yeah, absolutely. And the type of game too. Like certain games work better for streams than others. Certain you know types of campaigns, certain types of uh, systems for different tabletop uh, systems. Like it, it just depends on what your flavor is and what you want to put out there. Yeah, it's 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 a lot of like you know um, uh, like watching others and seeing like how they do it and th- thinking about like okay, how can I do this or how can I do it better. Um, and there's like some games that just it, are really hard to stream. I would mm. I would you know there's actually there's one game I've been wanting to stream and it's kind of like a board game. It's called Diplomacy. Oh yep yep. It's called it's called the Friendship Ender. Oh yeah. <laughs> and. It just—it's all about betraying people, and I thought, like, man, this would be interesting to stream because you have that dramatic irony where the audience knows, but the people don't. I think that's dramatic irony. It's oh yeah, those, yeah. But, yeah. And I was like, that's got that—that that would be something fun to stream. But also, like, I'm afraid to do it with my friends because the game's <laughs> called the Friendship Ender. <laughs> it's the—it's old school Mario Party. It's yeah. someone will go home angry. Um, um, it was what Winston Churchill. It was his favorite game. Mm-hmm. I, I've heard I've heard of some really fun versions of the games where like each turn takes a day, so you're like playing it over email and everything. So oh. it's literally like over the course of months, you like make allegiances <laughs> and and betrayals and everything like that. And I feel like something like that it might not obviously can't stream or anything like that, but something if you did like a write up or like a like a um, an overview of how a game like that went, it could be extremely interesting. Oh my gosh, you're right. That's so intense. <laughs> yeah. So you actually on on the channel on Total Party Chill, you actually do one game that's D and D, and one game that's Monster of the Week. Um, and do we, you find... we actually have two D and Ds. Well, one is like um, it's uh like an arena battle D and D. Oh yeah, yeah. I saw that. I yeah, that's in Ravnica, right? Yes. Awesome. So how do you feel, is there, how do we, in your experience, is there really a difference between streaming those two, or is it more of just, we're playing this game in front of the camera? Um, I think we, we actually, we've gotten kind of this rhythm of streaming where we kind of, we're more conscious of the time we're taking, so I, I would have to say my players are faster, mm. um, and I don't, I don't think my lore is as uh, convoluted <laughs> because I'm streaming, <laughs> you know, like I feel... Um, you really could create like one of those murder boards with like a string connecting to like all these different, <laughs> you know, like I went so deep in previous campaigns with, you know, these, these uh, players, but I think this time I've, I've left it, you know, a little, a little less intense. So if you're a casual viewer, you don't feel so lost. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's, you know, uh, still there's these, Oh shit moments. And when that happens and I see it uh, in the chat, where they're piecing it together before the players do, and the players piece together, and like there's this kind of shock and awe on both sides. It's so uh, satisfying. <laughs> Excellent. Yeah, no, it's it's one of those things where it's you take in so much more into consideration how you prep the game when you're producing it for other people. Um, and I've Definitely. seen that. I've seen that with um, where we do countless heroes on on Twitch. Yes, and yeah. Yeah, and it's playing in that is so that it's the first like stream thing I've ever been a player in, and it's like such a different ballgame to be thinking, okay, what would what would not only be what my character does and what would I do as a player, but also would this be good for the stream kind of thing to think about? Yeah, um, I, I, let, let me ask you this: what was what's something that you feel is like your big takeaway you're learning as of being a player on a stream that you can bring to like a home game? 
Um, to take from the to take from Twitch to a home game, um, I think probably the biggest thing would be learning to just delegate the limelight. Um, because when you're doing it in a stream, you've got to make sure that like it's not focused on one character too much, or that it's not just catering to like a favorite character that the stream has, or something like that. And it really applies to an in-game, uh, a home game as well, because you've got to make sure that everyone's having their own moments. Everyone's having their own part in the spotlight. Even though there's not an audience, it's important to remember that every player should get their time in the spotlight. Should get their The barbarian should get a chance to hack at something and take a buttload of damage. The wizard should get a chance to find a weird spell combination that breaks the game. Uh, the rogue <laughs> should find at least a couple traps and lockpicks per dungeon. It's like, you gotta find those those ways to make them shine as if there is an audience. Yeah, totally. Yeah. How about you? Have you learned anything that you place in your home games since Twitch? Um, I'd have to say pacing. Mm. Um, you know, when when, you, when you're doing for stream, you're kind of uh, DMing knowing that there's like this kind of time limit. But I guess because I've done that, I've kind of learned better how to like run a game that has like natural stopping moments, a little more kind of like cliffhanger uh, aspects based off the encounters I create. Um, I don't want to say like <clears throat> I've created a um, a game that's so uh, kind of there's so much um, for foresight mm. because there isn't. Uh, I just kind of have a general concept like, OK, well, this should take only about like an hour for them to do this. And if it takes an hour and 20, it's still kind of like on time. Mm. Oh, yeah. And I think that is that is also something that like. I've seen even like veteran DMs struggle with where it's like, all right, this session should take about an hour and a half or to get through this portion. And then it takes two sessions full length to get through it. It's just something that's a, it's a skill that sometimes is, is difficult to keep in track. Right. And it's like one of these things like, okay, guys, we were in town last session <laughs> buying things. Are we done here? <laughs> There's nothing left for sale. You've haggled all of the gold out of him. <laughs> you've talked to the you've talked to everyone's favorite npc for the last three sessions he's actually, getting busy <laughs> um i actually so in my latest campaign i've gotten rid of magic shops oh nice um, they're membership only so you have to be invited uh, to them hmm. and you get invited by kind of gaining a reputation or like obviously having money or you know doing a deed so you know it, you can't just walk into a magic shop and expect there to be things but when you get access to it there's usually five things they have there on hand because magic items a little more rare. Mm-hmm. And then if you are looking for something, they're like, all right, well, I'll, I'll track down it. You know, they'll have a buyer or something like that. Yep. That's a really good way to go. I've done something similar where it's, you know, it's invitation or it's like you have to be part of a guild or something to the effect because um, the way I justify it in the world is that magical items are ridiculously expensive to produce. They're like military. Think of it as like a military grade weapon. Like it costs millions to produce one missile. Right. So it costs a ridiculous amount to produce these items. So magic items in this setting that I made, um, they don't make most of their profit after, uh, by actually selling the items. They make the profit by you using those items for quests they give you or like being sponsors and like, you know, becoming big and famous. And that wand made you the hero that you are. Um, and so, yeah, you can play with that in a bunch of different ways. I like that idea of like being sponsored by a wand, uh, like with a wand, and like just make sure everyone knows that I sold it to you. 
This this adventure brought to you by Derek's Wands. <laughs> oh, Lordy. But yeah, I think uh, we answered that pretty thoroughly. Um, let's go ahead, and if you're ready, we can go ahead and jump into the little game we play at the middle of the show. Oh, yes. Indeed. It's my favorite part. Um, Devin, do you by any chance have a D20 ready? Um, oh, yes. I have I have this big bag. I'm trying to figure out which one I want to roll. It is the most difficult decision. <laughs> okay. Um, nowadays, I have, like, a couple sets of metal dice that I've been favoring, but still, it's, like, it's between picking children. Oh, you know, um, actually, here's the thing. Metal dice. It, I feel it doesn't roll enough. It just kind of drops. Thoughts? You got to chuck it. You just got to okay. go for it. Um, imagine that you're using it as a, as a uh, improvised weapon and you'll be good. <laughs> All right. Uh, all right, I got my D20 here. Absolutely. For So for those who might not have listened before, here at the middle we take a little break and we generate some random NPCs based off of some charts that I've made and uh, have had helped uh, filling out by some folks at home. Um, and we base some characters off of their race, profession, background, and character quirk. Um, this way we can get some wild and outlandish characters that we can then use to populate our D&D games. And generally laugh at. And the best part is, uh, those of you at home who are artistic and like to create, uh, draw, write, uh, anything that's inspired by these characters, you can send it in to us at Dear DM Podcast on Twitter or to our email, uh, DearDM.submit at gmail.com. And then I see those every week. We send them out on Twitter. They're my favorite part of the show. Um, and they blow me away every time. So. Um, let's go ahead and jump in and make some characters to inspire some folks. Also, kudos to your community and the stuff they put out. It's so cool. Uh, Thank I you. just got to give you props for that. I, it, is, it is my favorite part of this. It, is, it has been absolutely lovely, and I cannot thank the people involved enough. But yeah, let's go ahead and uh, let's uh, make the first roll for the race. All right. Uh, that's an 11. 11 is Genasi. Oh, okay. Interesting, interesting. This is a good start. But what is the Genasi's profession? Uh, an eight. Eight is paladin. Okay. Oh, okay. This is coming together. Oh, yeah. This is, it, it, it can go down these interesting avenues, but let's see if we can screw this one up by giving it a background. Uh, 19. 19 is investigator. Okay. So maybe some sort of inquisitor style paladin I'm imagining. Um, oh yeah. But let's make oh, him man. let's make him fully goofy with the character quirk. Okay. Uh another 11. Alrighty. Personally offended when mail is misdelivered. Oh, I love so, All right, so we've got uh, <laughs> So maybe actually a paladin of the post service uh <laughs> A like, you did pal- not show up to jury duty. Like, <laughs> I know this got delivered to you. Do not lie to me. <laughs> Just extremely passionate about the mail service. Um, all right. So we've got a Janassi <laughs> Paladin uh, investigator who is uh, personally offended by misdelivered mail. Uh, I, I'm definitely going post office with that character. Oh, yeah. That, oh, yeah. Br- when the, when that paladin brings out his his great sword, it really gives meaning to the phrase "going postal." Um, <laughs> so let's go ahead and make a second option with another roll for the race. Uh, that's a three. Three is elf. All oh, right, classic, classic. Can't go wrong. Indeed, indeed. And what is the elf's profession? Uh, we got a twelve. Twelve is warlock. 
Oh, there. Okay, there's a combination I'm not used to. Indeed, yeah. It's a, it's a definitely interesting combo. Maybe packet of Fey, but we'll see. Um, what's the background? Uh, that's a 16. 16 is Animal Trainer. Interesting. <laughs> okay, okay. Uh, all, right, all right, all right. And then uh, the quirk. Let's see. We got a, uh, a 17. 17 is refers to self in the third person. <laughs> <laughs> this is a very interesting character. <laughs> what kind of animals do you think they train? Well, in in my mind, there's two options. There's one circus animal trainer, mm. or B, like very exotic, like magical animals, or like potentially dinosaurs from like an exotic place far away. <laughs> I like. I was honestly before even I liked your ideas better. I was thinking cat. I was thinking cat, cat is also very good. It just felt warlockish. I was well. It's also it would require a war. It would require a higher deity to make a deal with you in order to train a cat, because they are they are pretty resistant to any sort of structure whatsoever. You know, when I see trained cats, I'm always like, "That's magic. That's not a cat. That's just that's a polymorph dog." Yep, that is that is a druid getting paid for this YouTube video, and. All right, so we've got the uh, elf warlock uh, animal trainer, uh, and then uh, who refers to themselves in the third person. Um, so let's go ahead and get one final option there with uh, another roll for uh, race. Uh, that's a one. One is human. Of course it is. <laughs> yep, the most basic. All right. Um, next, I got a sixteen. Sixteen is gunslinger. All right. Ooh, all right. Okay. All right. Uh, background. Um, oh, that's a crit. I, just, I, I know, I know. I'm celebrating. This is a table, but still, like, when you roll a twenty, you gotta celebrate. Oh yeah, it's definitely worth celebrating because uh, that one, I believe, is bounty hunter. So we've got oh. a human gunslinger bounty hunter. This sounds are we, incredibly. Are we making an edge lord? I yeah, I was gonna say this sounds incredibly plausible for an edge lord character so far. <laughs> Let's see if we can screw it up with this last roll. Okay. And that's another critical failure. Critical failure uh, is collect stuffed animals. <laughs> you know, I like that so much better than like skulls or ears or whatever. <laughs> I like to imagine this is like the full on edge lord, like a Boba Fett, like knockoff uh, human bounty hunter that takes, uh, kicks ass, takes names, but when he goes home at night, he just has his carefully curated collection of stuffed animals that he goes and like lies in with bed at night well i I was thinking this he's a gunslinger he's a human he's a bounty hunter but he's he's hung that up he doesn't want to do that anymore he (laughs) spends his free time at carnivals winning these stuffed animals with his amazing (laughs) gunslinging skills and he's like listen i just want to be left alone and want to win my circus prizes but he's got to come back for one more job and guess what it's a clown he's after oh my god this is brilliant this is this is amazing (laughs) The warlock uh. works there too. The warlock <laughs> as an animal trainer at the circuit, and he gets the letter delivered via the paladin. It all comes together. <laughs> Thank God, this is officially either a one shot or something I'm putting in a game because that is a that is a circus worth exploring. I want you guys to check out DM's Guild uh, in about uh, two weeks. We're going to have this co adventure <laughs> written. It'll be there. It's only thirty dollars. Um, <laughs> 
Oh, lordy. So, uh, we have our three options. We have our Genasi Paladin Investigator, who hates misdelivered mail. We have our Elf Warlock Animal tra- uh, Trainer, who uh, refers to themselves in the third person. And we have our Human Gunslinger Bounty Hunter, who collects stuffed animals. Uh, I'll leave it up to you, to, Dev- uh, to you Devin. Uh, what, which of these terrible disaster children is your favorite? Oh, it's going to be the Gunslinger. Oh, yeah. After that mental image, I, I, was, I was rooting for him as well. Oh, it's you know, too I have good. This, I have this thing where, like, um, a lot of our players, they have sort of edgelord, like, class race combos, except they play it completely, mm-hmm. like, uh, they they play completely differently, and I love it. Um, it's, it's like, one of them, he's a Gloomstalker Ranger, but he just wants to make friends because he was homeschooled, and he's, like, he's really good <laughs> in a fight, but he's, like, more wants to, like, hang out and hold your hand. Like, I, I love it. I love I love the I love applying the the non traditional like I love taking the archetype and just saying screw it we're we're playing this differently right yeah I th- I think there's a lot to be said about that you know when you just kind of you know just run wild with it and do something completely uh, take the trope and flip it on its head mm-hmm. perfect so yeah um so we've picked our favorite of the three um so yeah if if the human uh bounty hunter gunslinger who collects stuffed animals inspires you to make art or if any of these characters inspire you to make art or uh stories or a background or anything of the like please send those to us at deardm.submit at gmail.com or to our twitter at deardm podcast um you can also submit if you have any ideas to fill out the table with uh, a race profession background or a quirk that could describe any kind of npc that can be in the game any kind of sentient creature um, go ahead and send those as well. Um, but yeah, we've got some nice, uh, fun characters to play with now. So I think we're ready to jump on to the next question. Oh, yeah. Indeed. Uh, so uh, this next one is, I run a lot of pre-written adventures due to lack of time. How much do you cater encounters to the group versus let the group tackle them as written? And that's, that is asked by Gaming SF. Oh, uh, that's a, that's a great question. Um, I almost tailor, uh, tailor all of my encounters to the party that's playing it. Mm. Um, I, I, I try to find ways that everyone gets a chance to shine. Like we kind of talked about earlier, but I've, uh, was it, um, so I ran, uh, storm King's thunder for a group of people and they were really more about role play than they were about combat. Mm. And, you know, spoiler alert, storm King's thunder, the very first bit, like you have to clean out, uh, like this town of a bunch of goblins um, but I really let them do, you know, anything that was kind of off the wall. I mean, I let them befriend one of them and I just had the goblins kind of be more interactive and they weren't as much of a threat because like, you know, they're goblins. <laughs> um, you know, they're not really meant to be much of a threat. Um, but I, you know, each, each interaction they had with them, um, you know, there was, you know, one, there was in a bell tower and, you know, I said, he, uh, the wizard looked at me, he's like, well, do you think I could hit that rope with my magic missile. And I was like, just go for it. Even though like some DMs would say, you know, like magic missile only hits creature. I'm like, let's just have a moment where you can clear this out in a very narratively interesting way. If that's how you want to play. Um, so, I mean, if you read the adventure ahead of time and you kind of know what your players are like, um, and what they're playing as, it's very easy that you just start finding moments that can really cater to them. Um, uh, or that can cater to two, you know, working together and if you're doing that, you know, it's okay to softball every now and again. I really, don't really say it's railroady, but I 
it's okay to softball uh, kind of a hint that it works for two players and like this is an opportunity for them because it's really rewarding as a player to like have those moments and see like, well, is it going to work? Like he hinted that we could do this, but the dice will really <laughs> determine the outcome. And sometimes those nat ones happen and everything goes shit and it's even funnier. Absolutely. Yeah, no, I'm a huge fan of that. Like um, anytime the players get to think outside of the box, that's a win. Anytime that it's not what I, anytime my players surprise me, and potentially fuck up what I had planned, I get very happy. Um, right? Yeah, <laughs> I think that's 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 D and D. Yes, yes, it is. It is having something planned and then being extremely happy when it does not go to plan. <laughs> but yeah, um, it's interesting because uh, to be perfectly honest, I haven't run a pre-written adventure in a long time. I've been doing homebrew for a while now because that's that's my personal kick out of the game is like is is custom making the worlds and stuff, but. Back when I did run more pre-written stuff, it was I stuck to the book for the most part. I was like, not that I'd like railroad them into it or anything. Like you have to tackle this way, but I would like just throw out the encounters as written and everything like that. And the thing I ran into most often was, given any given scenario with with the combat, it was oftentimes completely unbalanced to the party, um, because <laughs> when they're written, they have no idea what the party composition is going to be. Um, they have no idea if you're going to be like a fight, the classic fighter, wizard, rogue, uh, cleric, or yeah. are you going to be like warlock, sorcerer, bard, uh, ranger, druid? Right? Yeah, <laughs> yeah, druid. Like, is this going to be or? And so some events, some events, the party would just steamroll over, and yeah. other ones would be like, oh shit, these kobolds are doing more than I thought they would. Um, you know, actually, there's a, there's a there's a part in Storm King Thunder where thirty orcs. <laughs> show up and it's they're they're supposed to start at first level so they're like, second when this happens and it it essentially says like they could fight them if they want and if it, things start to look bad for them they get saved by these elves but i'm like there's how many rounds like that's <laughs> things start to look bad that's one round they yeah the moment they that's so yeah i, I definitely feel that I, I i never run any of those really ever uh anymore too I, I'm, I'm more like homebrew but every now and again i get asked to to run one because uh, I run games professionally, mm -hmm. um, but you you got you got to cater it to to your party because uh, if not it, it feels it feels like a module. Oh yeah, absolutely. Um, and I think anyone who's because I, I honestly think pr like pre written adventures are a great tool um, to especially when you're starting out as a DM and as you're learning how to run the game and as you're learning uh, how to put a story together. But I think uh, like almost all the DMs I know personally and talk to who have been doing it for, you know, over a couple of years, just generally steal from pre-written stuff, steal ideas and hooks and stuff like that, but just run encounters and scenarios based off of what they, what they have experience with or what they want to throw out at the moment. Oh, totally. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so I think the answer is generally definitely uh, cater to your to your encounters to the to the group that it almost always lends itself to a better game. Um, but yeah, so um, I think that answers that one. Let's go ahead and jump on to our last question for the day, um, and that is going to be uh, my DM just finished our most recent campaign, and she asked if anyone wanted to run a mini campaign to tide us over while she gets the next one ready. I volunteered, but I'm having serious writer's block. 
Any suggestions for some short campaigns? And that was asked by Promonti. Oh my gosh, I love this question. It's my favorite question ever. <laughs> okay, so um, uh, I have a bunch of like kind of like little one shot like or like three episode campaigns mm. um, that I I've run with friends or my regular group. My favorite one is called Road to Bardcella, and it is. <laughs> It is a it is a adventure where everyone has to play a class, but they have to have at least one level in Bard. <laughs> and you're playing a traveling band, and you're just trying to get out of your shitty village, and you're hitting the and you're hitting the road. You're on tour, <laughs> and the idea is like you start at Battle of the Bards, and you have to uh, put on a show, and then you go to Bard Slam, and if you win that, then you get to go open at Bardcella. It is and. <laughs> Oh God, that is that's amazing. Um, and the one of the fun things is like I I want you to use magic to put on the best effing show you could think of, and so you just like kind of let players you know like okay you know in this town you can buy any cantrip pretty easily, mm-hmm. um and so they're like and and they also have their own spells and so you know I start them all at level three. And they come up with like, okay, well, we have these dancing lights in the back. And just watching people use the mechanics of D&D to put on a, a show of their band. And I asked them, like, well, what's your band's name? And, like, what kind of music do you guys play? Um, and, you know, there's always an orc drummer or he's an orc <laughs> bassist or things like this. Um, and it's a, it's a really fun adventure idea. And, I, I, uh, and like, things like, you know, their, their wagon gets broken into and they, all their instruments are stolen. Um, <laughs> You know, all these things. And then they're like, well, I want to charm someone at the uh, at the bar. I'm like, well, you know, everyone else here is competing in Bard Slam as well. So they're all also bards. <laughs> like the, the, the best way to stop a bard is with a bard. It, indeed. I, it's funny because I actually did almost exactly that for a charity stream. Uh, when we uh, we did a – for the cant- uh, Cantata Pontophical, which is the, the group that did uh, the Critical Role Hamilton Project thingamajig. That's we, right. Yeah, we did we did a one shot later on for the Trevor project that was run by uh Bill Crosswaite who's a brilliant uh DM and like organized all the music stuff and the whole thing was we, everyone had to have at least a couple levels in bard um and it was you know going to a concert by this weird like devil gnome that hired us and it was this really fun thing and it was just a ridiculous amount of weird music references in there um, but it's fun because everyone's bards were so different. It really showcased, especially in 5e, how very different you can make bards. Um, like, uh, my character was named, I played Gustav, who was the head of catering at the festival. Uh, <laughs> I love and, that. That's a good voice, too. And Gustav, he, um, he, he wasn't a traditional bard, but he was the College of Swords. And he used his blades to cut up the beats and like a Benihana. Um, so it was so good. (laughs) (laughs) It was, and it was fun. And there was like a, a, an admiral one. And there was like the, 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 the druid bard hippie that played the flute and was, Oh yeah. It was, it was just moonshine shimmer glitter star. Yeah. It was so much fun. And yeah, I love that idea for, for a mini campaign. It's extremely fun. Right. I, I think the best thing is like, just look at any movie you really like and try to figure out how you can make that in a couple of sessions, like make Mm -hmm. a great heist. I was just um, gonna say heist is a great way to go. Yeah, oh, heists are so much fun. Um, actually, that's I, I like. We've all been talking as a group. It's like, what's the next kind of like D and D adventure we want to do? And we're talking small campaigns. And it's like, okay, well, Barcella heist or you know, like survive till dawn. Mm-hmm. You know, like what do we get? You know, 
So, um, you know, oh, like, yeah, things like the movie Dust Till Dawn, that's a great one-shot adventure. Oh, yeah, movies are, movies are a great way to do mini campaigns. That's a, that's brilliant advice because, like, think about pretty much any movie. It's the right length for a couple couple mini sessions of D&D. Like, um, immediately my mind went to, even though I've never seen it, like, get them to the Greek. Have one crazy bard NPC that they have to get to from one place to another. Or... Oh, that's um, good. Or, or like stuff like uh, I forget. I always forget the number, but like uh, twenty-eight days later, um, they all wake up and it's no one but zombies and themselves. They got to figure out where to go next. Like any kind of movie like that is like a good length for a, like a mini campaign, right? So yeah, yeah, just watch movies and just steal from them. <laughs> that's that's all I do. I just steal from everything. And then you'll get that one DM who never plays anything except for that one campaign that's based off of Shrek. And, uh... <laughs> oh my god, I've done that. I've done that. I've, I call it shrekking people. <laughs> and it's you play with people that are very experienced and they're min-maxers. If I ever play with a min max and I say, okay, well, this lord wants you to get rid of this this creature that's in their swamp to make road for the walk. And it's like usually right for the, by the part where there's a talking dog. You're like, are you, is this Shrek? <laughs> and I was like, yeah, you got Shreked. You got Shreked. So Look brilliant. at him. <laughs> oh my god! I'm gonna have to do that now. I'm gonna have to, and I, I think the gold, like the golden snitch of that, would be able to do it to someone twice. Like just like, oh, <laughs> just sneak them Shrek into Shrek two. two. Yep. Sneak them. <laughs> <laughs> oh god! I cannot wait to Shrek someone live on stream. Oh my god! <laughs> I think Twitch might oh, ban you for pinnacle. that. I'm not sure they let you Shrek people on on Twitch without getting banned. But uh, oh my god, that's glorious. But yeah, I think I think that's some really good advice for some short campaigns. I think that'll do it for the questions for today. Um, before we go, I just wanted to remind everyone to please send us your questions either to our Twitter account at DearDMPodcast or in an email to DearDM.Submit at gmail.com. Uh, the more questions we get, the more content we can produce for all you lovely people and the happier I'll be. Um, also, if you are enjoying the podcast so far, it would mean the world to us if you could please share it with your friends or give us a review on iTunes. Um, I want to thank my dear friend Paul Parisa for the use of his song, Whether or Not. Uh, he's a brilliant musician and a wonderful human being. Please go check him out. And as always, I want to thank Nerdsmith for having us as part of the network. Uh, we're so happy to be a part of this community, and you can find us and all the other wonderful programs at www.nerdsmith.org. And of course, most importantly, I want to thank you, Devin, for joining me. It's been so much fun having you here. Oh my gosh, I'm just so stoked to be here. <laughs> it's been glorious. Um, but yeah, so uh, why don't you, before we go, why don't you tell people where they can find Total Party Chill and your social and everything like that? Yeah, uh, we're pretty much Total Party Chill uh, anywhere on the internet. So if you just plug that in, you'll find our, our website, our Twitch, uh, you know, our Instagram, Total Party Chill, no spaces. Um, you can find us everywhere. And if you guys tune in on Sundays when we live stream, we give away a D&D 5th edition book to the winner uh, of our raffle giveaway every week. So you can win some free stuff and hang out with some cool people. Nice. That's awesome. Uh, so, uh, as always, we like to close out the show with a bit of a game tale from our guests, something funny or epic or absurd that happened at uh, your table sometime in the past. Uh, do you have something fun to close us out with? Yeah. Um, so, I remember um, I, had the, I had the group, they were like collecting relics, you know, your, your classic MacGuffin collections. And uh, <clears throat> one of the players had lost her arm. And, you know, some of the items they had, they had like a spear, they had this book, and this book could answer any question in a yes or no. 
Um, you could ask it a question once a week and it would answer yes or no and you'd have a definitive answer. Hmm. Um, they had like the, you know, the gauntlets of power, this, you know, ring of, uh, you know, this crazy ring of protection and they were collecting all of them and they go and there's this, there's this tree and this tree has an altar inside of it. And if you walk in and you put something on this altar, it will give you, uh, some kind of magical boon and the better magical item you put on there, the larger the boon is. And so the girl who's, uh, you know, who, who lost her arm, She's like, well, you know, can I get an arm? And the tree says to her, put something of value and you will get something of equal value for your arm. And, uh, you know, the group is like, ah, okay, a dagger of venom. <laughs> and uh, the tree's like, are you sure that's it? Like, okay, shit. Um, okay, a couple of magic potions. And the tree's like, I don't take potions. <laughs> uh, and I, I was like, I, I really want to have to sacrifice some of all this stuff they have because they're never going to use it unless they, you know, realize it, it's, it can come and go. Mm. Um, and one of the players, not even really remembering what the book was, was like, uh, how about this book? Because he had this, he had this southern accent. And he throws it up there, and I'm like, this is a game breaking uh, uh, relic I gave them. And I was like, yep, I'll take the book, I'll take it. And everyone was just in stunt because at first nobody really thought he was. He's like, this. Does he understand? Is this a joke? <laughs> and then just kind of all this, like, no, no, no. The pure like terrifiedness of they just lost this item. Um, and so, but then they just gave her the most badass, like fake hand ever. Like it was like the Terminator, like T2, <laughs> she could turn it into a dagger, an ax, whatever she wanted. Uh, but it was definitely a sacrifice, but I, I love watching it when they do something and they know they screwed up and they're like, shit. <laughs> oh. It's a wonderful feeling. It is even, even when you're, even though you're rooting for the players, sometimes it's just fun to fuck with them a little bit. I just a little, you know, especially when they make, oh, when it's so, when they just lob it in there, I'm like, <laughs> and his player literally said, I don't read and threw the book up there. And I'm like, this is, this is too good. <laughs> it's like, it's literally, you put it on a platter. It, uh, the only thing to make it better if it was silvered. Oh my God. That is, <laughs> that is glorious. Oh, that is wonderful. Thank you so much for joining me, Devin. It's been so much fun having you here. Yeah, man. Thank you so much for having me. This is a blast. Uh, and, you know, again, big thank you to you and all of your uh, your community. Uh, they're great. And I'm, I'm really stoked that I got to be a part of it today. Well, thank you. It's been absolutely wonderful. Um, and that's going to do it for us here at Dear DM today. Um, and as always, I don't actually have a catchphrase to close out the show. So for now, goodbye. Ellie, quick, you have 10 seconds to tell someone why they should listen to Monster Crush. Monster Crush, you should listen to Monster Crush because it's the best podcast ever made and it's about dating monsters and cryptids and smooching and we talk about lots of different things and we swear a lot occasionally and I'm really sorry, Mom, that I have such a dirty mouth. Wow, that was good. Thanks. I think we should keep that one. Okay. Listen to Monster Crush. Monster Crush, yay!